Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 78 The Collector, Legendary Gentleman Thief. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Daniel Silver's table in the Levitating Platter. Hello everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of sidekicks and side quests the best unofficial dungeons and dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion we've got a wonderful returning guest for you and wouldn't you like to know who it is after this first ad read from plus one exp tony vicinda is the mastermind behind his mastercraft of beard bombs game design and community building he's got a beard bomb named after all of the basic stats from DD. so get a can apply it to your face and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength dexterity charisma and more beards and beyond is the indie rpg that helped to launch this brand but tony has collaborated and developed several other projects including repugnant i toaster down we go through the void vamp nugula brand standing and more if you support plus one exp either by buying something from the website or going to tony plus one dot itch dot io it all helps funnel into the plus one ford program which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff so i would highly encourage you to follow tony and plus one exp and all the socials twitter facebook youtube and twitch in order to keep up with all of the various projects that are being worked on as well as upcoming interviews one shots and actual plays of some of these other amazing games and if you don't mind when you go to the website plus one exp.com type in the code randolph when you're buying a beard bomb or a beard rpg in order to get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, that code is Randolph, like in episode two, at the checkout on the website, plus1exp.com. Well, hello, returning guest. How are you doing today? Would you mind catching us up, reintroducing yourself to the podcast, telling us who you are and what is it that you do? Hi, Kurt. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so my name is Daniel Silver. Uh, I'm an Eastern Orthodox Christian in the D.C. area and currently a full-time student at James Madison University studying communications and information technology. I remember that you and I last spoke kind of at the early part of the uh, the pandemic back in 2020. So it was really when this podcast was really getting up off the ground. So it seems like since between now and then you've uh, gone back to school, is there any uh, particular prompting that encouraged you to go back to school? You know, I, I think during the pandemic, I just took stock of what I had been doing and what I wanted to be doing. And going back to school was the kind of best thing to do that to go forward. 
Is this a master's or a PhD or, or what kind of a degree? No, I'm actually finishing up my undergrad. So oh, okay. I did not finish my undergrad. I just went right into working and I've had a variety of jobs over the years. And at this point, when I took inventory during the pandemic, I realized that not having an undergrad was kind of, you know, closing a lot of doors and mm. I just going to have so many more opportunities once I finish that up. Communications and information technology, does that have to do with um, the work that you're doing, say, like with a doxicon? Yeah, it does. Like I that? think there's going to be a lot of skills there that I'll, I'll be able to use in doxicon in doing the, the conference and planning and things like that and just making it uh, even better. Yeah, so moving along here in our uh, catch-up section, as it were, since you're a returning guest, you told us last time when you were on the show that you got your start in the tabletop world with GURPS and how that's affected your history with Dungeons & Dragons. So certainly, you know, you can remind us again for us new listeners who maybe don't know, but during the pandemic and such, did you have an opportunity to play D&D or other types of tabletop role-playing games since the last time we spoke? Yeah, so when we talked last, I was in the middle of running an online game of uh, Dungeon World, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. And uh, I was running that for, for 14 players, actually. We, we were doing a, a West Marches style mm. um, campaign where you know people kind of drop in and out for different sessions. So each session will have about four to five players. Um, but it's all this like kind of large open sandbox where, you know, things that happen in one session affect the next session and so on. And so everyone's like, you know, playing in the same world. Yeah. Um, that group stayed together for about a year and a half after that. And we played two other campaigns um, of Masks and Urban Shadows, which are two more powered by the apocalypse systems. One, a kind of superhero game, the other one, an urban fantasy one. And, you know, I, I kept track of the games I had played. Played. And, you know, from March of 2020 to March of 2021, it was a really busy year for me as a game master. <laughs> I, I ran games at uh, Gen Con and as well as several regular groups that I had. And I, I tallied it up and I ran 125 sessions uh, in total in that time period. That's a lot. That's a lot of gaming to be doing. Yeah, you know, at the height of the pandemic, when, you know, we just, we couldn't do anything else, um, you know, that, that Dungeon World group and I, we were running like three to four sessions a week um, at that wow. point. Um, there, and I was running several other groups at the time. Uh, there was one day where I ran, uh, you know, three sessions in one day. Um, wow. And so, yeah, just, just a, a lot, a lot going on there. Awesome. Hey, some people would say that's the dream, isn't it? I, yeah, I, I think so. I, I calculated it out and like I normally run like one or two groups, um, one game like uh, a, a month or something. And so I calculated out on the 125 sessions, I think it was like the equivalent of like seven and a half years of, of gaming or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it was a lot of power by the apocalypse. Um, but was there an opportunity for some more GURPS or more DD? I know at the time of this recording, we just had some major DD uh, drops with the. Uh, the D and D direct stream that they just did. So like we're getting spell jammer and, uh, and it's some kind of Dragonlance product is coming out as well. And uh, later this year. Yeah. I ran one short um, homebrewed uh, D and D campaign for some friends. Um, but I'm, I'm mostly playing power by the apocalypse or something like blades in the dark, which is powered by the apocalypse adjacent these days. So I also have some friends who are, you know, writing their own things. And so I, I tend to do a lot of uh, play testing for them as well. 
they're involved with like the DMs guild online and stuff maybe. Yeah. Or they're, or, or they're doing um, so, some of them write for things with like a uh, magpie gaming, which is powered by the apocalypse oh, and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, you know, or they're writing their own own systems and things like that. And so I'm, I'm helping them out with that. Yeah. Our also guest of the show and uh, a, a mutual acquaintance of ours, Alexi Sargent of uh, Cloven Pine Games, I think just got a credit with uh, Magpie Games. Yeah, he wrote uh, he wrote one of the playbooks for the new Avatar, uh, The Last Airbender um, yeah. game that came out. Um, and he's, he's actually the one that I, I do playtesting for. So um, I just <laughs> finished up a campaign of his uh, where he has like a space opera um game oh. where, where you, it's kind of like firefly meets star wars so i did that um and then he's he's writing a new one uh where you play uh squires um mm, yes questing and so um we just did some um some games with him i, I was playing with him and his uh, his wife leah mm. um so yeah that's, that's that's been what i've been doing lately yeah i was gonna say when alexi came on the show we made the little frog night uh, guy, so I was joking with him on Twitter, like, "Hey, you got to stick Jasper somewhere in the lore of the game, so nice. some squire can meet a talking frog that believes in the code of chivalry and wants to go rescue a frog maiden from a tower." Nice. Awesome. Well, of course, you know, this podcast is Sidekicks and Sidequests. So we always like to ask, you know, since you're a returning guest in the year, year and a half, question mark, since we last spoke, have you come across any new or interesting uh, sidekick or NPC types out there in the wider world of media? Well, you know, so I've actually been playing some Destiny 2 lately. It's a it's a science fiction first-person shooter that's also kind of massively multiplayer online. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a way for me to do something with friends online. And, uh, you know, they've been having some storylines lately about sides forming up for this kind of large conflict in the solar system that's been bringing a lot of old NPCs back. And so I think the thing I really appreciate about the game storytelling is that they've made us rethink how we view npcs we thought we knew Mm. so so in a recent storyline a hero from our side known as saint 14 actually um Mm. you know you know a good guy but we learned that you know he did some pretty horrible things in the name of good he encountered some enemies that we had had and they came to us for help and he talked to them and got to know them and, and learned you know how they viewed him and it was you know very different than how he viewed himself And, you know, on the other side, there's a figure that we've considered a villain for a really long time, you know, suddenly got access to the power of the light, which is, you know, how we use our powers. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's been exclusively ours for a long time. And it really made us kind of reconsider our own powers and what does it mean to be using these powers. And so I find that playing games and reading stories that are different from kind of your normal media really helps spark new ideas. And and I would say Destiny 2 has really done that for me. Interesting. So you were describing the two NPCs, so like the Saint 14, and then I guess this redeeming villain. It almost sounded kind of like a Saint Paul sort of a situation, kind of like from both perspectives as far as like, oh, this guy that we look up to did some shady stuff in his past, but then someone who's a villain or perceived as a villain actually is like, oh, actually, you know, I'm... I had an encounter, I had a religious experience, and now I've uh, I've changed my tune, as it were. Yeah, it, it really is. And it kind of makes us like reconsider. And, and it made me think about, you know, how could I take maybe familiar NPCs from campaigns and cast them in a new light, maybe? And, and I think that gives them more depth. And then also kind of the side quest question as well. Did you come across any new, interesting, different side quests in your 
time since we last spoke? And can you tell us more about it? Um, let me think about a side quest. You know, not, nothing in Destiny 2 comes to mind right away. Uh, they, they tend to do more events rather mm. than side quests. But even then, I just really like, they have these really large open areas that you can kind of explore kind of sandbox style. Mm -hmm. And that's just made me think about how can I introduce more exploration into, into my games. And then, of course, to kind of round out our little catch-up personal interview section, um, have you acquired any new passions in the interim? And can you uh, tell us a little bit more about them? Um, you know, uh, I, I don't think anything new, really new. I mean, you know, what I'm still passionate about is my science fiction fantasy convention, uh, Doxicon, that I help mm -hmm. organize in, in the area. And, uh, you know, Doxicon for your new listeners is about the intersection of sci-fi and fantasy and faith. And um, it came about when my priest at the time and I were discussing how our, our love of these genres really influenced our faith. You know, we have these, these shared belief in good and evil, the concept of the transcendent and, you know, something beyond this world. And so it only seemed logical to us to bring like-minded geeks and nerds together to talk about these topics. And uh, we've been doing this since 2013, and we've had some really wonderful speakers over the year. You know, the past two years, we've been virtual, but uh, this year we're going to be back in person. So Doxicon wow. 2022 <laughs> is uh, November 4th and 5th in Bethesda, Maryland, just outside D.C. Wow. Uh, Tickets will be on sale when this airs, and you can find out more about the conference and purchase tickets at doxicon.org. And our theme for this year is depictions of evil and redemption in sci-fi and fantasy, which, you know, I think has a lot to do with role-playing games. You know, I, I really like, you know, having characters who can redeem themselves over the period of a campaign, and, it, and it's, just, it's just such a great medium for that, I think. I was going to say, would you be willing to include a certain uh, big rock star franchise with redemption in the name by the name of Red Dead Redemption? Because I've, I've been on a <laughs> Red Dead Redemption 2 kick as of late. And so I'm just, you know, being back in the world of kind of like fantasy Wild West is kind of like, yeah, the themes of redemption, Memento Mori and all that is heavily present even in. Uh, the prequel sequel, which is yeah, that would be great. Too. You know, we, we we've talked about video games at Doxicon before. Um, I know we have a couple uh, role playing game talks uh, this year at Doxicon, and we always have uh, games, you know, at Doxicon as well. So you know, it's definitely for gamers. Well, this section of the show has been great. The the catch up personal interview section, and uh, now it's time to head into a little segment that I like to call. The NPC Creation. And NPC Creation is brought to you by you, the podcast audience, and our patrons from Patreon. That's right. Now's the time where we give a shout out to our comfortable patrons, those of the $2 plus level, and we're going to give them a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, a.k.a. Goblin Katie, we say cheers. And again, you know, you can get a loud hurrah on every podcast episode if you just go and sign up for $2 a month or more. Katie is actually our highest tier wealthy level. That means she's able to add an element of chance to our random tables here in NPC creation as well, which we might get to use here today. So if you want to find out more information about the cheapest podcast Patreon community out there, Check the show notes below or go to my website. You also have the option of just going straight to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests to find out more about 
our three tiers, one to $4, and help us expand our operations here at the Levitating Platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. So, uh, as you had previously provided me uh, some notes for our recording here today, you have brought forth another character uh, that we're going to be walking our way through the questions and discovering who this character is today. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. This is a uh, kind of repurposed NPC from my my mass campaign. Um, he is from a modern superhero setting, but I, I think he'll still be interesting and relevant even in your your setting. Are we strictly going to like action comic book sort of a world? Or are you taking facets of this character and kind of making it generic fantasy lane? I'm like, I'm taking facets of it, and, and this this is just kind of going over his basic motivations and background and i i feel like you could you could slot this into a lot of different campaigns actually all right fair enough well we'll figure out more about this character as we work our way through and with the first question what's the character's name so he goes by the name the collector but his actual name is reginald woodworth the second any friendship with the thurston howell the third perhaps <laughs> i i, I th they, they might be members of the same club all right, and uh, what is the ancestry of the collector? So in my in my campaign, he was human, but I could see him working as you know elf, dwarf, halfling. A uh, pretty wide variety of races would actually work well for him. And then, uh, what is the job or role in society for the collector? So you know, I think his outward public appearance is that of a, a kind of landed gentry, um, but his secret is that he is a legendary gentleman thief who seeks the rarest items uh, for his private collection. Ooh, okay. Now, I've only ever seen this anime movie one time, and I know of the franchise, but uh, Lupin, uh, the anime Lupin, the Castle of Cagliostro, Kind of sounds like that mode of the gentleman thief sort of motif, which I know also comes from uh, classic literature as well. So. Yes, there's classic literature. Um, yeah, I, I definitely had watched the, uh, there was a Netflix series um, of the, the a French French series of the of the classical literature. Mm -hmm. um, and so definitely, you know, inspired somewhat by that as well. Okay, very cool. And uh, how old is the collector then? Um, in mine, he was in his 70s. You know, if he's a, a dwarf, an elf, or a halfling, like that could change a little bit. But, you know, he's supposed to be on the older side. And then uh, describe the physical appearance of the collector of uh, original Woodward II. Yeah, so he's a, you know, he's an older kind of gray haired gentleman. Um, you know, he'll he'll have like either kind of the fine suit or the fine robes of the land of gentry. You know, he likes to uh, be proper and dressed up. He also has a a fine cane topped by a, you know, a very large diamond or some kind of gem or something like that. And then what three adjectives would best describe him? You know, I would describe him as as charismatic, uh, honorable and determined. You know, he really charms the the PCs, um, but, you know, he he doesn't play, you know, dishonorable tricks on them. If he makes agreements with them, he keeps them. But, you know, he's very determined to to get these items, you know, he, getting these items for his collection is really, you know, his main motivation. And it sounds like maybe uh, with the description, it kind of maybe feeds into this question a little bit. But what's a valuable item, a piece of lore, a secret? or an ideal or concept that the collector ascribes to? 
Yeah. So I would say honor, you know, he, he really has kind of a, a code that he lives by and, you know, th- that's very important to him that, that he keeps that up. Um, as far as like, you know, items, lore, secrets, uh, you know, he's really built up a network of informants and suppliers that help him pull off his impressive jobs by getting him intel, building the specialized equipment he uses for different jobs. Um, and that's really key to who he is. Along with a fine cane with a gigantic diamond on top. I yes, imagine. which which in my superhero thing has some you know neat gadgets built into it, um, and so that you know that could also be a magical item in a, in a more fantasy setting. So you know keep that in mind. What's going to be a particular quest that the collector would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do? You know, I think the collector would be willing to work with the PCs to take down, you know, an evil villain or overlord as long as, you know, they have something rare for his collection that he can keep afterwards. You know, he doesn't have uh, this kind of idea of himself as evil necessarily. He, he kind of views himself as, as having a code of honor. And, you know, part of that code is being willing to steal things. But, you know, if, if there was some evil overlord that the PCs were trying to take down, uh, I, you know, he'd be up for a team up. I haven't played this adventure. The big heist adventure that's published by Wizards of the Coast, of course, is the Waterdeep Dragon Heist. It almost kind of sounds funny to be like, let's just drop the collector in here. Like if the player characters maybe are struggling with trying to find an inn or something like that, just be like, oh, here's this elderly gentleman thief uh, that also has it out for the particular villain of the whatever season to determine who it is. And, you know, he has this whole network available if you just... uh, maybe decide to work along with him. He'll uh, lend some of these resources to you. You just have to make sure you grab this particular thing from uh, the villain's uh, collection in order to bring it back to him or something. Yeah, I think that would be a perfect uh, campaign to drop him into. So we have to consider with this side quest, what's going to be the reward for success? I, th- I think you kind of mentioned it. I, you know, he, he's able to get into even the most secure locations. And, you know, as long as the PCs let him take the rare item or, you know, get it for him, he doesn't really care what else they might get up to. And so, you know, he, he has this network and, and these abilities that could be very helpful to the PCs. All right. And so if the PCs are, you know, a little too overly confident and maybe they bungle this heist or something um what's going to be the consequence of failure or if they you know have the opportunity to meet him and they don't realize what he's all about and they just refuse to help him what's going to be the outcome of either of those two consequences well you know part of his code is definitely like you don't go back on a deal and so if if the pcs go back on a deal like i think he he would be willing to make life very difficult for them so you know if if they if they attempt to uh, go back on a deal, I, I think they would uh, be living with some pretty serious consequences. Um, if they, you know, refuse a deal with him at all, like, he's probably still going to break into this thing anyway. And if the PCs aren't with him, uh, you know, he really might not care about collateral damage. They they might be a convenient distraction uh, for him mm. to, to get what he needs. Yes, never mind that we're sneaking our way into the lair of an ancient red dragon. I'll take the one thing I need from the dragon's horde and I'll let you all deal with the ancient red dragon. Ta-ta! Exactly. So, you know, he, he's definitely, you know, is always looking at all the different angles. And, you know, if you're not, you know, working with him and he hasn't made a deal with you, uh, definitely willing to uh, kind of toss you under the under the bus, as it were. <laughs> or under the nearest uh, behemoth of some kind. Exactly, exactly. 
what are the goals and motivations for the collector? So yeah, this is really interesting. When we got into the the mask campaign, one of the mechanics of mask is called like look behind the mask, and and you, you are actually like trying to figure out the motivations of the characters. And the PC spent a lot of time trying to figure out the motivation of the collector, you know, and they, they were wondering like, you know, does he have some kind of evil plan or plot? Is he trying to collect these items for, to do something with them? And, you know, we eventually just got to the realization that, you know, he just really likes collecting things. Uh, and, you know, he wants to have the, the biggest collection and the most impressive collection, you know, and, and that's his motivation and, and keeping to his code and doing that is, is really what motivates him. So a textbook materialist, but keeps a code as far as like how he's going to get the stuff. So it's not just like, oh, I'm going to kill everyone that I need to in order to get this stuff. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to use my smarts and my intelligence and all my resources to like pull a fast one on you to then get the stuff. And then I have the bragging rights to say, ah, this is in my collection now. Exactly, exactly. And uh, with these goals and motivations in mind, how would you say they affect the collector's general personality? He, in the campaign we did, was always very generous to the PCs actually he liked to kind of give them a fair shot and he would often create items for them one time a, a character was going through some changes in his public persona and the collector you know created a very nice costume for him so that he could you know create a new persona and so I think the the collector, because he doesn't have these kind of larger evil plans, I think just has a very refined sense of like fair play and making things interesting. How would you say that the collector normally interacts with different groups of people? Is he the same across the board or is there a difference, say, like with family and friends and peers versus enemies and rivals versus people he works with or has report to him versus player characters? Is he the same or is he different and nuanced? I think he's different and nuanced because um, in, in the campaign, one of the characters ended up being his granddaughter, actually. Oh. Um, and, and they found out. And, you know, talking about kind of redemption, um, you know, he, he had not been, you know, very involved in either her life or her parents' life. And when we got to the kind of climax of the campaign, um, you know, he sacrificed himself uh, to save the granddaughter. Aww. And so, you know, the, there was this kind of idea of redemption and this idea of, yeah, he, he did treat her a little differently. You know, I, I don't think he would have done that for just anybody else, but because, mm -hmm. you know, she was family, it, it, it made a difference. Does the collector speak with a particular accent or language? Are there any idiosyncrasies in how he acts and speaks? You know, when I was doing him in the mass campaign, I, I had him uh, be from England. And so I think he, he had a British accent, um, but he, he doesn't necessarily need to have any particular accent. You, you could do a wide variety of them, I think. What impact has the collector made on the world? How has he shaped the local area? Well, that's really interesting. He has made a big impact on the characters in the campaign because you know, he, he was related to one of them. One of them kind of came to see him as, as a mentor type. And when he died, you know, she actually took over um, his network. And so, you know, be, you know, be kind of came his protege. 
And so I think he, yeah, he really had a big impact, not so much on like, you know, local politics or the geography, but he he really helped a lot of the different characters kind of discover new things about themselves. And, you know, he was always very interested in getting to know them. And then does the collector have any current problems that prevent him from being a bigger player on the stage? It sounds like maybe the collector, you know, with his code of ethics, with his gentleman thief persona, doesn't sound like he wants to be big and splashy. You know, maybe he wants to pull off the next great caper, but he's going to do it, you know, with his particular flair and style. Yeah, you know, I think he's generally pretty happy with, uh, I think, how his life turned out. I, I think, you know, if, if things could be a little different, you know, he, he might have wanted to be a little closer to some of his family. Mm. I think that I think that might be his like one big regret, I think. And so, yeah, it's not like he's like, oh, I really want to be the biggest overlord or crime boss in, in the thing. I, I think he just like probably wants to spend more time with his family. Well, we have uh, completed npc creation so now it's time to head into a random encounter and this final segment of the show is brought to you by reaper miniatures they've been texas titans of the tabletop industry since 1994 they're here in dfw and they've got an amazing warehouse and game store they make everything from paints to gaming accessories and they stream on twitch and YouTube with tutorials and interviews. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you are playing, Reaper has a miniature for you. Every time you shop with them, spend at least $40, $50 on your purchase, they're going to give you a cool new mini of the month for free with your order. Uh, it's always something new, so all the more reason and incentive to shop with them often. I literally checked my email before we started recording, and you know what? Bing! Another $50 gift card from Reaper, so thank you very much to them for this. Um, I know at the time of this recording, it's already ended, but uh, Reaper Miniatures Bone 6, Tales from the Green Griffin, is on Kickstarter. You may have the opportunity to sign back up with it and maybe check out some of the cool minis that they've got that they're working on developing. And also right now, you should be able to still go on the website and purchase uh, this special relief effort uh, miniature. It's based on the National Bird of Ukraine. It's a little Kenku-like bard, uh, and it's very cute. I believe it costs 10 bucks, and of that, $7.50 gets allocated to UNICEF for relief efforts in Ukraine. And if you want to find out more about all the cool stuff that they've got in their catalog of miniatures, go to my website. Check the show notes below. Use that link I have uh, when you go to shop on Reaper, because if you do so, you're supporting Sidekicks and SideQuests. By clicking that link, you're helping to track the traffic that our show directs towards Reaper's. And so the more traffic, the more that our Texas powers combine. So again, go check that link out and be sure to follow Reaper Miniatures on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. All right. So of course you remember here in the uh, random encounters section, we like to do a little role play, a little vignette. And um, well, the question here is what kind of scene are we going to be doing? Are we doing a mask scene are we doing like a fantasy land where the collector meets one of the podcast npcs i remember last time corvus got to meet duncan or early on in his adventures and duncan has come a long way since then but the podcast has also picked up a number of other characters since then too so i leave it to you what kind of scene are you interested in today you know yeah let's do uh let's do a fantasy scene I, i would really like to see how um you know the collector does in in a fantasy setting okay This podcast now has at least four different characters that have been developed that you can choose from. 
We, of course, have Duncan, the recklessly brave, chaotic, good, happy-go-lucky adventurer for hire. Um, we have Sonia, the warrior woman, who started off as a barbarian and multi-classed into paladin. Uh, we have Korak, the lawful, evil, arcane trickster dwarf. Uh, and then we have Chrisley, who is a shy, herbalist, botanist, wood elf druid, who just also recently multi-classed into cleric. Or if none of those sound interesting to you, we can always create a new one to add to the roster. You know, I I, I like that uh, the shy druid cleric. I I think the collector would be a really great character to kind of maybe pull them out of their shell a little bit. Where we last left our hero, Chrisley, uh, she was at a nearby seaside town where she met Daniil, the Cohenland theologian who was looking to get uh, her book back from one of the other dwellers in the town. Um, and she was able to do that. And uh, she bid her new friend, Daniil, farewell and uh, continued on her journeys uh, because even though she now is this cleric of the Zotani, of the, she is a Zotani Mimi, she is a servitor of this, um, the living voice. She also still has her mission, her charge from her people, from her Wood Elf Woad tribe. And so she's out there collecting sketches of nature and all that stuff. I don't know. Where, where is a place that Chrisley uh, would meet the Collector? What sounds like a good location? Well, um, you know, the Collector is, is always traveling places, and so they, they could even just meet on the, on the road at some oh, point. Perfect. Okay, so uh, yeah, Chrisley's on the road, and um, she's kind of lost in thought, absorbed with her sketching. She's just looking all around. She's almost like in a trance and, you know, her body is moving on muscle memory and she's just looking all around and her fingers are just wildly going through her sketchbook and uh, kind of like that scene in iRobot where it's like the perfect sketch now. That's how good her artwork level has gotten now. The charcoal pen on paper and it's like she's reproducing like gorgeous masterpiece level sketches. And then she just kind of bumps into the collector and then that knocks her out of her trance and she goes, ugh. And she gets startled. And when she her eyes refocus and adjust, what does she see? Who does she see? So she sees, uh, you know, this, this older, older gentleman, um, human, you know, and he's wearing these, uh, you know, very nice, but maybe slightly understated, uh, you know, robes of like a landed gentry individual. And he has this fine uh, walking cane. And, uh, you know, he, he, he kind of looks, nods at her and, uh, you know, says, oh. Excuse me, my my dear. I I didn't uh, see you there. Oh oh I, I oh forgive me. I'm so sorry. I uh, uh, and she like very sheepishly uh, puts away the sketchbook and she's like, I was just um oh I was just entranced by nature and um well I mean ever ever since I've uh, been able to tap into this living memory, my my art skills have become you know much much better than they were before. Um, oh, you know. you're an artist. Would a uh... Would you mind showing me some of your art? I'm a, a bit of a collector myself. Oh, oh, um, yeah, sure. Uh, and she'll pull her sketchbook back out and she'll present it to you. Um, and as uh, the collector will open it and look, he'll see that there's various writings in it, some of it elvish, some of it druidic. And as you start at the beginning, you can notice like how amateurish it is and stuff. You definitely notice a shift as you go through. It's like watching an amateur become like a Rembrandt or something like that. You can just see the art level quality increase dramatically. Detailed, like super fine sketches of like fruit and flowers and bees and fauna and critters and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and the collector will say, ah, I'm noticing your clear love for, for nature. It's uh, coming through strongly in your, your art here. 
oh yes, I'm I'm from the woad um, of of uh, you know. And she'll kind of point to her ears and say, you know, I was I was the chosen one uh, to go out from the woad and and take the findings of nature. And a, and a Zotani Nimi stopped into our village, and well, I, I accompanied him to the Zotani Nation. And you'll notice she like looks, you know, kind of puts her hand on this other book, and then she's like, and and now I'm. Now I'm one of the priests of of the Zotani people. I I have access to the living memory, and ah. um, the collector would notice that this is like a big deal because normally it's like a priesthood reserved for human men. But the fact that she's a female wood elf who is now part of this priesthood is like certainly an astonishment. Yeah, the collector says, "Ah, well, you must uh, you must know a great many things then, being part of the living knowledge." Uh yeah, it's uh, she kind of chuckles and is like it's uh, it can get a little fuzzy and, and confusing at times, but uh, but yeah, it's like I can tap into all these things that I didn't know before, and it's just uh, I can experience you know thousands of lifetimes of memories, uh, you know, just by and then she'll sit there and you kind of see her eyes change color and like as if she's experiencing something, and then she kind of like chuckles at herself and she says, oh oh yes, um, yeah. She kind of chuckles. The collector is not one to be splashy with his crimes, right? Like, you know, does he ever leave a calling card or does he make it obvious that it's like him who took something? He will, yes. Um, so he, he often does because uh, because he, he does want part of the, the thing is having the reputation. Okay. And is it something that she would be able to see that if she went through living memory that there might be like a slight chance that she would figure out who he is or something? Oh, like yeah, that? I, I, I think so. I, I definitely think, uh, you know, people in that living memory have, have run into him before. You know, he doesn't wear uh, like a mask or anything. You know, he, he just does it. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think she, she would she definitely might recognize him, especially as Kane is very recognizable. Okay, so she focuses on the cane and you're seeing the eyes shift as she's like going back in memory. And then you kind of watch her demeanor sort of change and she like tilts her head a little bit and she's like, oh, 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 you're, you're an adventurer. You, you are the collector. You, you are someone of well-renown. Ah, it's always nice to be recognized. But I must say, I am quite interested in some of this art with, uh, would you be adverse to me adding some of it to my collection, maybe? Um, for, for a fair price, of course. Oh, well, she thinks about it. And at first she's guarded, but then she realizes, like, you know, she has living memory. And so she could just reproduce the sketches even better uh, and still be able to use it to report back to her community. And so she kind of reasons out and is like, well, I mean, you know, druids aren't supposed to really have that much attachments anyway. So, I mean, I, I guess if it would bring you happiness and you know would make you happy and add to your collection without without having to break into someone's house i i suppose i could do that ah well thank you very much um and he he selects a couple and then he he holds out a uh generous pouch of uh of coins to her she'll take it because this is a custom that she's kind of had to learn and obviously from living memory um and then she takes it and she accepts it and she's like well, well certainly you were very generous and you know, I, uh, well, uh, well, is there anything that I can, I can do to help you? And you look at her and you can see that she's like fairly well outfitted, you know, the Druid and then like the new multi-class into cleric. So she's kind of got like patchwork, like leather hide, maybe barely hints of metal. I know they say Druids don't like metal armor, but with the cleric thing, she can kind of get away with it a little bit. He now. says, yeah, he says, well, 
Now that you mention it, there is a green dragon I've been searching for for some time. Oh, ooh, nasty. Nasty they are. Mm, yes, but they oftentimes have the best items. Okay, and you need my help to find this dragon. Yes, you seem like the, the type of person who might uh, know where this dragon is. She'll say, well, do you have any kind of idea? I mean, she points to the grimoire and she like points to her eyes and you can see them beginning to like shift and, and change color. Yeah, a he bit. will he, he will pull out um, he will pull out a, a, a sketch of of the green dragon with some some identifying marks and uh, give it to her. OK, and then she kind of does the very quickly zooms into the memories. And then she'll kind of like catch her breath and be like, oh, that one's nasty. Ooh, yes, he's he's very bad. He's very bad. Yes. Um, yes, I I know the way she is like startled as she says that. And she's like, yes, confidently. Yes, I do know the way. Yes, I can help you. Yes. Well, thank you very much. And then uh, I suppose begins the journey of Chrisley and the collector. And I guess any retinue of the uh, the collector as they make their way down the road uh, towards the lair of a green dragon. All right, and scene. Well, there we go. That was that was pretty cool. I like the collector. He's a he seems rather nice. Yeah. I mean, we had a, of course Father Blake Britton on the show who brought us uh, Pathos Anthropoi, who introduced the lore of the. Zotani Nimi to us, and so the fact that Chrisley now is this multi-classed uh, druid cleric, which I don't know how many people take the opportunity to multi-class a druid and a cleric together. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a new thing for her. We to... we, we we actually had a uh, druid uh, cleric multi uh, in the dungeon world campaign we ran actually. So oh okay yeah, so th that's something I'm familiar with. Well, of course, you know, we're here starting to get into final thoughts. So I always like to ask uh, the guests what they thought of the random encounter. What did they think of their time, especially for you, a returning guest back on the podcast? Yeah, I, I had a fun time. I always like normal. And, you know, I really think it's great having all of these, you know, NPCs. And it's just a great resource, you know, as a game master to be able to get ideas from this. Corvus. This is a pretty popular episode that's been downloaded from this podcast. So if you haven't already listened to Corvus, the Arbiter of Chaos and Order, uh, then you should definitely listen to that episode to put a little uh, Kenku Birdman judge in your game for antics and stuff. All right. Well, you know, I like to leave the platform, the stage, the mic to the guests. So whatever you've got to plug, you know, uh, let us know where we can find you on social media and, you know, let, let us know all the details about Doxicon. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not really on social media these days anymore, but uh, Doxicon is so you can you can find Doxicon on Facebook and Twitter and at our website, Doxicon.org. And when this episode airs, the tickets should be on sale. Awesome. Well. Mr. Silver, thank you so much for coming back on. I made good on the promise of having you back on, so that means I, I got to hold myself accountable for a three-peat and uh, have you back on again. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Kurt. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and SideQuests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast, or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, sidekicksandsidequest.com, 
for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for Side KQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, simply send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and Sidequests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Psychics and Psychos is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four! Oh! Psychics and Psycho